Oh, Dale, I did get you a presidential campaign koozie. Oh, I've got like 10 of them. Thanks, oh. though. I'll take it back then. Yeah. Give it to Chris. I know, seriously. Give it to Chris. Never go for president. Floor scrubbers for everybody. The bad, the, I don't drink out of bottles normally, though. So I'm, like, I'm a can guy, so that's going to only have... I don't even know if I have any bottles in my If face. you drink out of a bottle, you don't get wrinkles. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. It was a Harvard study. <laughs> What about a straw, though? Straws, Straws are worse. Yeah, in, in D.C., we ate a lot of places, and we had to take, like, three straws because they're all paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, they get, get nice one, and one soggy. Drink yep. Mm-hmm. You got to just make sure your lips are really dry before you start drinking, then then you'll be fine. Well, no, like, you actually stick it in the drink, and then they get soggy in the drink, too. Oh, that's true. That's true. They haven't found a better technology for straws yet? Yeah, plastic. It's 2023. Just use plastic straw. It's fine. Yeah, but then they're bad for the turtles. We live in Minnesota. There's no turtles around here. Also, like Dale said, the bird's nest. Yeah. I have this bird that keeps trying to build a nest in our gazebo. I have. And I keep blasting them out with the leaf blower. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, out at my house, I had my shed doors open this weekend, and I had barn swallows flying around trying to get inside the shed. I was like, not happening. Not happening. Well, you ready you, to? I usually, yeah. I was, never mind. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Let's start the podcast. Welcome to Everything Egg, and then some, presented by Kibble Equipment, a frequently fun, usually informative, and always tangent-filled look at the industry that feeds the world, from cutting-edge John Deere technology to the impact of social media on the agriculture industry. No topic is off-topic. Well, we're back with the regular crew. Yeah, boy. So it's me. Sam Paulson, <laughs> otherwise known as Kibble Man Sam. To my left is other Sam. Correct. Say hi. Hello, people. And then across from me is uh, the boss man himself, Chris, boss our kooky old GPS guy, Chris. Chris. But we also have a special guest with us today. Very special. <laughs> he is. Yeah, that's why I said very special. I need to give him. I need to give him like a Chicago Bulls intro no 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 and starting across the table the man the myth the legend our general sales manager here at kibble equipment the biting sow himself dale vetar how was that well thank you for that warm welcome you're actually a request in the podcast comments right in the comments that's why that's because I have several aliases. <laughs> <laughs> created a fake account. I put yourself in there. Yeah. It was it was at Vail Datower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had too many martunis. I guess before we start talking with Dale, Chris wanted to have a little segment. Kibble Corrections. Uh, we call it Kibble Corrections. Because we're right 70% of the time. Yeah, and the other 30% we need to correct ourselves because <laughs> we are not. We are humble. So this is our segment where if we say something incorrect, we have to go back and, and fix it. it. Luckily, it wasn't me. wasn't other Sam. Correct. It was our it, GPS it was, expert who screwed up the GPS timeline. It was uh, screw up by omission, right? So this this co- correction comes from a dear friend, Jason S. in Iowa. <laughs> Uh, you probably know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was an, a receiver that we did not cover in the history of, of GPS receivers. So 
back in that time frame when we went from the original over easy or green eggs and ham yep. receiver, the original receiver, and there was that trade-up program to the Gen 2, there was another option. So the uh, trade-up program had either you could trade up to a Gen 2 for like 800 850 bucks, or, Dale, you probably remember this, mm-hmm. there was a free option, which we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. You could get a free receiver. It was a single-frequency L-band receiver that was orange, Yep, and it looked like a Gen 2. Yep, but, yeah, it was just the dome was yep. different color. Yep. So, Dale, did you ever have any one of your customers take that deal? Because you've been around a while. Do you, remember, do you recall? When I was up in Grand Forks at that time, and I think so. You think so? Okay. I, yeah. So, because it would only do mapping. It would never yep, do it, auto-track. It was bolted to the combine. Well, it, you just didn't take it off. Yep. So, we forgot about that one. Very, very rare. And we're sorry that we missed it. <laughs> we're sorry. It. But we do have an exclusive offer here. So, if somebody in podcast land secures one for us we have a, a special bounty there's a wanted we should make a wanted poster yeah we need to find an image all the google I, searching i couldn't find one i don't think you want the wanted poster <laughs> because he's gonna make you do something i mean you know yeah, that, right? that's i again don't, it doesn't really matter so the the reward is if you have uh, up to thirty thousand acres of uh climate field view boundaries <laughs> they need to be converted in an operation center we'll, we'll do that for free if you get us one of these. I'm receivers. really glad you put a cap on it. Yeah, by, because, by we, by, I mean Sam Jensen. Because 31,000 <laughs> acres, yeah, man, that's just that's over the over the line. But 30,000 is the cutoff. Yeah. I'm glad you put a cutoff on there. Yeah. So that's the word. To be clear, it's easy to get your data into Operation Center. Boundaries is a little bit more it's manual. It's horrible. Too. It is so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Chris so, just wants to complete his collection. Yeah, I mean, I'd give him props for that, but I just don't like having my hat thrown in the ring for four weeks of work because how is he going to be like a real kooky old gps guy if he doesn't, doesn't even yeah, have them all i know i'm disappointed in myself that i forgot it but i thank you jason for calling us up do you remember the old cartoon aladdin movie where jafar turns into that like creaky little old man with like the just ridiculous you know piano key teeth sticking out of his mouth <laughs> in the cellar that's what i picture chris when he's like 80 <laughs> in his like collection of gps <laughs> he's got this creaky old cane you want to see the L-Band? <laughs> Back in my day. Back in my day. By that time, we'll have, like, inserts that, like, just, you know, implant in your head, and you're yeah. going to get, like, 80 satellites. Yeah. So, so, Dale, give us a little backstory on yourself. Well, I started in this business in March of 96. That'd be 1996, just for some of the young... Before I was, I was, were you even born? Nope. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I started Sinister in... laugh. I started in 96, and uh, this is all I've ever done is John Deere machinery sales. And it's, it's been a very rewarding career. Man, I've, I've got to meet a lot of cool people. So, yeah. And you've been everywhere. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I grew up uh, in Red Lake Falls, Minnesota, which is up by Crookston. My family still farms up there. They have a retail feed store also. And I went to University of Minnesota Crookston, and they actually offered – a four-year degree in ag sales and business was the title at that time. So I originally went for like animal science and that kind of, you know, how that first year you're just not quite sure you want to do something ag. Just growing up in the retail business at our feed store, when I was a kid, we had a lot of, or not a lot, but there's a couple ag sales guys, you know, the old traditional hardcore machinery salesmen that would stop by once in a while. And, you know, I just, it's just, uh, just something that I always kind of, took a liking to just because you get to deal with people so much and when I went to Crooks and then they offered a four-year degree in sales and and that's sort of what I ended up doing and and then in March of 96 I graduation was coming close and it's like I had no idea what I wanted to do 
at that time, you guys have to understand, ag was not cool. If you were a young kid, like today, it's so different. It just, ag wasn't cool. Everyone was going for, you know, like a business or, you know, just anything, anything but ag. And well, what, what was that country singer that had the song, I was country when country wasn't cool? That was Barbara Mandrell. Yeah. Dale was ag when ag wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. We need to do country music trivia later. I think we Dale's going to rock I do okay on that. <laughs> we should have tried to get Sammy J to even get in the right decade yeah. with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea this. But it was, where these jokes are going to go. Anyway, I went to, I, I, I was lucky enough where the John Deere store in Grand Forks, North Dakota, um, I mean, his name was Jeff Lavoie, was the owner of it. I mean, I no experience. My family didn't have John Deere growing up. Uh, they do now. We've seen the light. But, uh, we just had that podcast. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff, he says, I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a few months, see if it works out. And so anyway, that's, I, that's how I got started. And you guys have to understand, like, nothing was computerized back then. It was, it, we had these big brown books, which I found some in Redwood the other day oh, when yep. I was there. At the museum? Oh, yeah. I was, so Chris Schobloom was there. And I was showing, I was like, this is how we used to do it. Every week we'd get these updates in the book, and then so anyway, that was this this big brown price book, and he said your territory's north of Grand Forks. We'll see you at the end of the day. There you go. Thank goodness I had a couple friends of mine that went to college in Crookston. They they helped me learn the area up there. Back to those price books, I had a dealer that I called on in Wisconsin that was adamant. Like it was when you could get, they were doing both. They were doing both mm-hmm. the price pages in the mail. And you could do it on a laptop yep. or a computer. And he just did not want to do the computer thing. Well, one week he missed a price book update. Oh, yeah. And he lost like 15 grand. <laughs> yep. He bought a computer the next day. <laughs> yep. The old system, you'd be, you'd have to like take all the codes down and write it on a piece of paper. And at that time, it was called the Minneapolis branch mm-hmm. down in Egan. Or no, it wasn't Egan. It was on in well, Bloomington. Yeah. Bloomington, thank you. Well, anyway, you'd fax in. That the fax was just starting to get going at that time, and you'd send it in that way. The fax was just getting going. <laughs> I had somebody <laughs> ask me the other day, well, could you do a fax? Yeah, I've, yep, I've had that before. Yes, I know how to use a fax machine before no. I even make yeah, That's impressive. I, uh, I've used them before. I think it was like back in 2012 time frame. I worked in the call center for <laughs> John Deere, and I had this, uh, you know, one of those, I would call it like a Katerian Brotherhood uh, outfits call me, and they wanted me to fax them their JD link machine utilization data. And I thought if that's not (laughs) an oxymoron, (laughs) but he said he didn't want to have to drive like 30 miles into town to hook up to the internet to get his data. So I did it because I I guess they can get faxes, but not internet. I don't know. I I didn't ask a lot of Mm. questions, but that was, I had to learn how to use a fax machine. Yep. I mean, what was your first sale? (laughs) Do you remember? Oh yeah. I can tell you it was a, it was a Melro drag. I don't remember the dude's name, but it was a, a 50-foot Harrell. At oh. that time, up, the, up in Grand Forks, we'd always Harrell the straw off for next year's sugar beets. I still remember, you know, like my new first new combine was a 1996, 9600. I remember selling to a guy from Amarato. See, you sold him up on the big dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 8300 was my fir- first tractor I sold to Goditis's up at Minto. So. so what's the biggest change you've seen then from then to now? At you know, least in egg sales, not necessarily in the product line, but well, egg sales to me, you know, I, I'd say probably what's made the sales process so much faster is the ability to text and email. You have no idea how hard it was to find people back in the 
early 2000s, 90s, you know, there was a trap line that you'd set and you kind of get, you know, people are kind of habitual where they go at certain times of the day and that's, you'd figure that routine out when you're, if you had a given territory, if you're going to find somebody. But when text and email came out, man, that was, you could, you could do so much more with your given amount of time in a day. And uh, I would say that was probably the biggest game changer to sales, but it also is a negative too because it takes a little bit of the personal interaction out. Yep. But from the effectiveness, I, I would say the text and email was probably the, the biggest thing to the sales process. How does the internet factor into that? Is that? Well, yeah, you know, the internet, I would agree with you on that one. Just by the fact that, you know, have truck will travel now is pretty common. Yep. The other thing is, is it just, you know, like for us as a company, the internet's so important by the fact that it just, our market just opened up so much. You know, it just, it gives you basically 48 states and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The internet was, you know, you think about the old days when you had the farm and ranch guide and the, and the you know, your weekly green paper. Sheet. Yeah, the green sheet, <laughs> yep. you know, that. Oh, I dreaded those updating those ads every week, and oh, I just hated that. But I like when Dale says stuff like that. He looks over at Chris, and we're over here like, <laughs> yep, yep, yeah, we know sure. exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. No idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we say the green sheet, you probably think of your like your bedroom for <laughs> Kermit the Frog or something like that. Yeah, green sheets. Green <laughs> bedroom sheets. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't have those. You know, and at. at but, you know, I'd say probably one of the biggest things that changed the on the world of product was the invention of auto steer. I was lucky enough to have some of the first, the old Green Star starter kits. We sold a few of them up in Grand Forks when I was up there, and that was the first ones that, one, like, literally one of the first ones that were ever sold by deer was up there. And I can remember the, the biggest thing that was, it was so critical with them is they could see it at night then. Because, like, you think of World of Sugar Beets. Because back then, it was just basically two flashlights out in your hood. I mean, there's no LEDs was, that acronym didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, you're saying back back then, did they get the crop in? They'd have guys at the end of the yeah. field yeah. shining a flashlight yeah. to keep the tractor. In yeah, the they'd literally stand on the mark with, like, a spotlight. I've seen some guys do that. Yeah, and those yeah. Green Star starter kits, they were, they were like, you ordered them all, all in, and mm-hmm. there was a, a big Pelican case. Oh, yeah. It looked like, it looked like you yeah. were doing a drug deal. It was. <laughs> Well, I was yeah. going to ask you, I had a question on here that was like, basically, what's the craziest thing you've done to either, you know, maintain or cement a customer relationship? But I think I already knew that you were going to answer that question with your, when you had to run down to Des Moines to get that auto track starter kit, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a late, late run there because, you know, it came out late in the se- late in spring. Back then, it was like, oh, for $20,000, I could drive my own tractor. And it was a late spring. And, you know, that we're missing those windows. Sugar beets like to be planted early, you know. So they tried it, and by then it was three, four, five systems that were just done after that. So Yeah, you drove all the way from Grand Forks, North Dakota to, to Des Moines, Moines Iowa. To get, to get that big suitcase. <laughs> like you're doing a drug deal. Yeah. Came back to Grand Forks and demoed yeah. it. And, and then, you know, and then get that. Well, it was on a track tractor, so you had to get yeah. that steering controller and the resume switch. Yep. That was because the 10 series had the resume switch. Yeah, that, the double ot. Yeah. <laughs> And it, this was a double lot, so you had to have the, the resume switch. Yeah, the flash from the past. We had, and we had double lot here in Hotana, that first time ever auto steered this year. Really? Yeah. Young young gentleman bought it from you know probably the third fourth fifth owner. And did you give him one of those briefcases? <laughs> no. <laughs> speaking some, of, speaking of those redwood. <laughs> speaking of those briefcases, I think we still we have 
two green star pelican cases here. They look old. I think they're as old as me. Well, we do have a little bit of a museum in the AMS room. True. Mm-hmm. We do. Even um, though you broke my ITC. Yeah, I'm still you, salty about that. I'll get you another one, buddy. It'll be okay. I kind of like the one that you got now. It's got a story now. Yeah. Adds character. I guess. So we talked about the internet. Like there's a lot of industries that kind of feel like they're on the cusp of um, relegation for at mm-hmm. least like their sales staff. I'm not going to name any in particular, but with the internet and the fact that you can access so much information, you can access the, the whole lineup of whatever they're selling. Basically the question is, what does a salesman do? How do you see that really not being the case, you know, for an ag sales pro? I would say in the world of ag sales, the feature benefit thing is kind of slowed down a little bit because you got all that information at your fingertips. You've done, majority of the owners or the people that are looking at this stuff has already done the re- research on it. It's, it's more for the technical side. And that's where I, you know, I think we've, as a company, we've ramped up our training so much is because the technical side, because this, these products are so, um, well, technically advanced. You know, I, I don't want to use the word complicated, but it's just once you run them and then it's like, aha, they're not that bad. But, you know, just that initial warm up to get them going. I would say the ag sales side of it is, is just because it's so technical. And there's so many dollars at stake when the unit sits idle or if it's not performing accordingly, there, there's always going to have to be that support factor. That's where I encourage the sales guys I work with today. We have to be technology advanced. You have to understand this stuff. However, there's a small handoff between selling it and supporting it. There's a handful of sales guys that are still trying to do both. But in this day and age, it's with the new products coming out, it's really hard to stay up to date on everything and yet still take care of the customers and, and get back to people in a timely fashion, this and that. So it's, you're balancing a lot of balls up in the air, but I think, I think in the world of ag sales, we'll still have to have sales reps. I, I, I don't foresee that ever going away. Like some of the other industries that we're, we're dealing with. However, if we don't do a good job on, the expectations, the exp- it's all about the customer experience. We have to have the customer experience and then it's the follow-up. You know, if somebody asks you for a number on, or a price on something, follow-up is so key. And that's, I think that's where like on some of the industry, other industries that we, you know, that we were maybe referring to is, is, you know, that it's, it's a price take it or leave it type of thing. And there's no follow-up after that. And it's like, Two or three questions later, you could have probably had the sale if you'd have just called the guy and seen what his opposition was for pulling the trigger that day. And I think as a salesperson, like our group, you know, that Chris and I and Sam are in are supposed to be the product experts that you go to, you know, when you're beyond the 101 level stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, different different sales guys are at different levels, but mm-hmm. we're the whole structure is like, you don't always have to know everything, but you need to know who to talk to, to get that information. Yeah. So then you can follow up it. Or, or, or even a good old internal referral of saying, I don't know that answer, but I know somebody on our staff that does. Can I make an appointment with a follow-up or, you know, can yep, he call correct. you or whatever? But I mean, it's just, when you look at the dollars we've invested in this company, it's like, that's, that's just something that we have to do is, is we have to be, we have to stay on the leading edge of technology but yet we have to have people that are so grounded and understand what it's like living, you know, in, in the, in the ag world. So, so how do you measure the success of an individual 
salesperson? Is it gross margin? Is it total units sold? Is it total dollars sold? Is it a combo platter of everything? I would say, you know, there's certain metrics as a company that we measure our salespeople to determine what success is. Just because I've been doing it so long, you know, I've got a couple different ways to look at a few things. I, You know, obviously, we're about turning assets in, in this business. And, you know, so therefore, we got to sell. Selling, you know, we, we sell a fair amount of new, but we also got, we work through a lot of trades. So we measure, you know, as a company, we measure a lot on used sales growth. And that's, I think growth is is pretty, pretty key because it can come into a couple different factors is, is, if you're expanding, I'm talking as a salesperson, you're, you're expanding your given territory, you're meeting more people, or you're just putting together better quotes. So therefore, you're selling some more, you know, you're, you're really catching your stride. So I, I would say use sales. But at the end of the day, I think as a sales guy, you want to be known in your, the given territory that you work when a problem arises, uh, when a customer needs something, they're probably like on their one or two top guys that they go through their phone. Hopefully they're in their favorites. Yep. Uh, you know, that's, I guess that's what I would measure success on is, is long as you're within one of those first one to two calls of when somebody needs something. The other one is, is how many times you can, you can bring a proposal to a customer and show them a need before he even needs it. That's when the aha moment starts kicking in and you become that trusted advisor with, with the customers that we deal with is, is, you know, that's, that's when the young guys I'm working with, I, I try to challenge them, try not to treat it as a transaction, that this is just a building block, that this is leading to one more, to one more, to one more, because the people that we deal with have been in business 30 to 50. There's some century farms that we deal with, and and for us to get an opportunity to do business with them, I think is one, just an honor. And the second thing is, is we have a legacy. When you look at our brand, how long this brand's been in business, we have an obligation also to, uh, to the customer saying that we're going we're gonna to do everything that's in the best interest of them also. So, you know, that's the way I would measure success is, is if you can balance all those all in one is if you're hitting home runs and you're selling a lot and keep a decent business portfolio where you can make a decent living yourself on it, the company makes a sustainable living off of it and the customer, because at the end of the day, they have to see value in that piece of equipment and, and the proposal that you're putting in and they're going to get, hopefully they'll, whether it's more efficiency, more acres per day, whatever that is, is there's always a, there's a need on that. One thing um, you called out and like being that customer first, like two, three calls. I've seen the, one of the most enjoyable things I have is when I get to go on a team customer visit with a salesperson, you know, mm-hmm. and just, it's maybe not necessarily just a specific sales call, but we're going out to talk about something, but just riding along with the salesperson and they've getting phone calls from customers about things that are totally unrelated to what we do. Like, Hey, Joe, I'm, I'm looking at upgrading my bin site. You know, you work with a lot of customers. What, who would you recommend working with? And, you know, having them, having a customer reach out to you on something that's not even in your yeah. realm of responsibility, mm-hmm. but because they trust you. And that would mean that they not only trust you, but that they view yeah. you as somebody, you know, within their inner circle, which is what you want. One thing that I've seen is a lot of people my age do not have very good people skills, like going up and randomly talking to somebody. I was going to say something to you. But <laughs> that's a huge disconnect that I feel like the egg world that if you don't have that, you won't succeed. So yeah. that, that leads into one of my one of my questions. So 
for a younger person, not even necessarily a younger person, but somebody interested in becoming a, a salesperson in the egg equipment business? Like what are some things that you have, or some guidance or some advice that you would have for somebody interested in this? Career well, path? so let's just say, for instance, in the college role today, here's the struggle that I have because I can get a little polit- political on this topic. So th- I'm going to throw this towards the colleges themselves. We have spent all this time and effort to create this precision ag degree, these support people. I mean, you guys go to these college fairs. I mean, how many kids go into this this precision ag side of it? And it is so vague. But at the end of the day, we are a retail business, okay? And we have to, one, you know, we got to pay for light bills. We got to pay for, you know, the building, all you know, all the expenses. Oh, we're not a... It's just, we're not a nonprofit. No, we're not, we're not a, what is we're it? Not okay. a charity. 401c3 or whatever that is. <laughs> but I, I firmly believe this, and I just wish some of the colleges would listen to this, is they need to put in retail sales into their curriculum because we are losing the part of it, like you said, the human interaction. And I just think sales in, in the business that we're in, if you can't, talk and relate to people and and understand how the sales process works you know the the qualifying the quoting all that kind of stuff you know there's youtube's the only place if you're a young guy right now and you want to learn how to sell and that i i wouldn't re, i wouldn't recommend it 100 percent. but i mean that's like the only place you can really learn it and i just wish the colleges would put in more you know more sales orientated classes than support because you have all these young guys going to this supportive role, but as a dealership, we treat this almost as, you know, and a, you know, you're a, a non-revenue person. So therefore we got to, you know, like how much do we appropriate to a non-revenue person? I just, I'm just calling what it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, stop pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> I bring in a lot of and revenue. That's that's funny. When I came in today to this, like I said, who the hell are yeah, you? What do I do? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. But I actually well, do bill out my time. Okay. What would you say you do here? Yeah. But it, <laughs> but going back, to, if you if you want to make a good living, it's in retail because you're in charge of your destiny. It, the effort you put in is normally the reward you get back, and if you start figuring it out, and that's I've had the opportunity of taking you know, quite a few younger people in and teach them ag sales. And I, it's just so rewarding to see where they're at in their career right now. You know, some are wearing our shirts and some from other businesses that we're in right now. Or, and it's just when you find that person that just really understands retail on on just the customer focus and, and it, it's just very rewarding. So I, it's a long answer to your question, Sam, about, what I would tell young people is just don't forget that you have to make yourself invaluable to the company. And by doing that, it's normally through retail, and that's generating revenue. Yeah, and that answer was actually long enough that you forgot it was Chris that asked you that. <laughs> that is right, Sam. Thanks for calling me out on that. And as you can see, doing this a few years. Uh, the one thing I was going to add to that, though, is you get all these kids with precision ag degrees, mm-hmm. but then they don't think that a sales position like that is within the realm of what they're going to school for. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's totally wrong because we don't really have a lot of dedicated precision egg jobs at cable equipment, to be honest. I mean, it's a handful at the most for a 22 store organization with hundreds of employees, but our sales positions are all precision egg positions. 
Yeah. That degree is very applicable. And honestly, I think that's one of the things that I think gives a younger salesman a leg up when they're trying to establish a reputation and establish a customer relationship is be knowledgeable. I mean, you can be the nicest guy ever, but if you're dumber in a box of rocks, they're not going to trust you. And that's what you need to build trust is you've, you've got to, you've got to, they've got to think you care about their organization. Hopefully you do. And the other thing is you got to know your stuff. Yeah, be knowledgeable and be willing to be a self-driver and learning yourself. Yeah. Not, not waiting for somebody to that, assign you a course in JD University, but you know, like, oh, here's this new feature. Let me learn about it. You know? the, the, that is probably one of the biggest things that I see and successful salespeople is that internal engine. I mean, you can, you're just working with so many through the years is when you have that internal engine that just they, they learn it themselves, they learn from their mistakes, whatever that might be, and a positive attitude. I mean, holy smokes, the world. I mean, they, it's such opportunity out there. You know, people want to buy from people that know what the hell's going on, you know. And, uh, yeah. and that, that internal mechanism, whatever that that it factor is, you can tell right away after being around certain people who's got it and who don't. Yeah, and the positive attitude is big oh, because huge. you're going to get told no all the time. Well, I've yeah, I've often said is you got to wear a titanium nut cup every day because <laughs> you just I'm leaving that in. I, well, uh, I don't think it's trademarked either because sometimes it, you just don't know when it's coming, and that's just the way it is. It's just we deal with machines; they break down and. It's made, just, by, it's made by humans. It's going to yep, break. Yeah. It, anything that's touched by a human has air. But <laughs> I agree. But you just got to have that ability to keep going. But you also have to learn from it, too. Yeah. And, and not dwell on the past. And you're so focused on screwing up where you, you're not willing to take a chance on some stuff either. So. Well, see, this is why, I mean, I'm a sales specialist, but I would be a terrible salesperson because I, even though very large, uh, I'm very fragile. But one of my best friends, he worked in sales at a John Deere dealership down by Des Moines. When we'd go out to the bar, he would ask 67 girls to dance. And if 66 of them said no, he'd just keep asking. And then he'd find one that would. So he'd always be dancing with a gal on the dance floor. And there I'd be standing there with a beer against the bar. <laughs> yeah. My way was the John Wayne method. I just hoped somebody else would come up to me. Yeah. Because I couldn't handle the rejection. <laughs> Did you have the tall hair at that time? Yeah. It's like whiskers so, on a cat. You, you couldn't miss me. I mean, ask my I, wife how we met. She I, talked to me. You know, I always thought about it's like if you get a white streak right down the middle in that movie with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, The Great Outdoors, yeah. when you're in that bar, how many times he got struck by lightning? Six times? Six Jesus. That's that white streak right I'm getting close. I've got the kind of, it's just like right on top. If I can get it to work its way back. That's why half my mustache is white because I got struck by lightning. Uh huh. (laughs) It's called an electric fence. (laughs) (sighs) Ask him how many girls that line's worked on. (laughs) None. (laughs) I'm going to rate that movie down. That's going to be on the, uh, the, Great outdoors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great outdoors. The must watch. What's list. he saying? Go faster. <laughs> <laughs> Big bear. Big bear chase. Big bear chase me. What would you say is probably the biggest mistake that a new salesperson makes when they're trying to kind of establish customer relationships and get their footing? To me, I, I, I've said it for many, many years. The money is in the follow-up. Too many times... We, we have customers will give us, you know, certain things. Can you look this up for me or get me a number on it? And 
we don't get back to them. But I can't emphasize enough the money's in the follow-up. It's always asking up those questions on the follow-up. And then the second thing is is just the the probing and the right questions. You know, I think that is another extraordinarily important part of your process when you're working with a customer is, is just asking the right questions. They'll the customer will tell you what they're what they're working on and this kind of stuff and and most of the time it'll even come without even asking questions. He'll just tell you. And if if you're not listening and you've got you know, like years back before we used to focus on the feature benefit, all the customer would tell you point blank what they're looking for, but everyone was so busy that wanted to show up and throw up and talk about the feature benefits. He didn't even hear what he was talking about. So, but I, I would say number one, the follow up. Yep. And then number two is, is just that shut up every once in a while. Yeah, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And just listen to what they're saying and then, you know, put up a proposal Last thing would be is is just don't forget to ask for the sale. You know, I think that's that is always that awkward stage of the conversation, but good salesmen know how to close or know how to ask for it without directly going right for the, you know, that very direct question. As in like uh so you want to buy a checkbook, please? <laughs> when would you like this? <laughs> When can I bring this out? Would you like this in May? Would you like to sign you? here? <laughs> well, I, so I'm putting you down as a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Better than a no. Okay, so that Chris's joke was a, a call back to when we posted, I posted a clip on, on social media of us talking about the license units for CN Spray. Mm-hmm. And there were some people that, uh, you know, took pretty sharply to that video and uh, <laughs> really, really came at me pretty hard. Yep. And uh, I responded, one guy, there's two guys going back and forth. And uh, I think I commented and they're like, I tried to be real PG. And then the guy just, I don't even think he read it. He just went right back at me, right at the throat. And so right after he finished that rant, yeah, just giant rant, I commented. So, so put you down as a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we got a little humor out of it. Uh, what would be like a resource or maybe you guys like both of you guys are book guys. If you ask my wife and kids, they'll tell you I've never read a book in 30 years. <laughs> well, listening to books counts though. Yeah. Uh, and well, I listen to books sometimes. I just need the abridged version though. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> the Cliff Notes version? Yeah. Just, just cut to the chase. What did it mean? Okay. I agree with it. You just need to go to chat GPT now and ask <laughs> it. Give, give me like a four paragraph summary of this book. Yeah. But like, what would, is there anyone, I know we've talked about in the past, I think you guys have said like Dale Carnegie or like maybe the way of the wolf by Jordan Belfort, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who, who is the wolf of wall street guy? Yes. <laughs> Went to prison. That is a, and we won't make no references from that movie, but, but it, I would say, you know, as for like for resources, you know, like John Maxwell, I, I listen to a lot of his stuff. It has to do with week working with people also so you kind of understand that and there's been a handful of other stuff but to be frank with you a lot of it just comes from trial and error and seeing what works you know just because been doing it for 30 well 25 28 years because there's no you can read all the books you want but there's no like one way to skin a cat which i don't even know what that means or where that came from but (laughs) we've i've seen it in all my years working with so many different salespeople, you know over the past like 10 years that there's there's so many different people that are all that are very successful for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, I would say as a young salesperson, I would, I would recommend, you know, finding some mentorship, you know, like a coworker, or even like somebody that's been doing it for a few years that is successful doing it. You know, I, that's probably the one thing that, you know, I was fortunate enough where I've had some pretty good mentors through my years or some, some guys that have helped me on, on showing me how to, you know, to, to sell and, you know, how to interact with people and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. One salesperson I worked with doing team sales calls in a previous role, he, he had really, really good advice. Like no matter what you're doing a customer visit, first plan ahead mm-hmm. for the visit. Like what's your goal? Is your goal to get a PO sign? Is your goal to just at the minimum get scheduled for the next visit, mm-hmm. right? Just what's your goal? And then when you're done with that visit, like re- reflect on it and think about what you could have been done better, what you did, what you did well and, and plan for the next one. The other the other thing that I would say is never count out who you think is the buyer or, yeah. you know, like who's the buying decision in this. So like you take this hypothetical situation, there's three people sitting in this room here. You could be the young son. And if you wanted to be the wife, Chris, no. you do look like the wife. No, it's, it's <laughs> the I hair. Just, it's the hair. No. I'm just glad I wasn't the wife. No, you got too deep a voice. <laughs> Hello. Uh, but you know, I would say, I would say, you know, Sucking the, down too many palm malls. Yeah. The one thing as, as a sales guy, you cannot just talk to that one person and overlook oh, yeah. that son, which he could have 80% of that buying decision. She might be cutting the checks. Do not look past the significant other. Yeah, speaking of Harvard studies, there was a Harvard study <laughs> where a hundred men were pulled and they were asked what percentage of the buying decisions that they were wife was buying buying decisions okay. or purchasing decisions yep. their uh, their wife was uh, involved in and it came back that 60% of the men said that their wives were involved in the purchasing decision you know what that yep. means mm-hmm. the other 40% are liars <laughs> yeah okay i was i was going to say they weren't married but. <laughs> oh why well, when we bought our last vehicle we went to the dealership and the guy talked right at me the whole time it, doesn't that drive you nuts yeah, and my wife was basically like let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. He didn't even look at me. And I go, yeah. And I'm stupid. You, it's the cars for you. <laughs> so I'm not even stupid. the one buying it. It's I, yours. So <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> I said good day. It's a practice that I should get back into. I'm guilty of it, but I haven't. But for quite a few years, I, I'd always send thank you notes out after guys would we'd finish some mm-hmm. transactions. Oh, yeah, that's classy. It was just what I did. But it helps. I had made the mistake sometimes on addressing the, you know, like I put the wrong name in the, in the envelope or, you know, on the top of the thank you note, I should have included the spot. That's how I got corrected on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Learn from mistakes. I even got one not that long ago that <laughs> I had put the husband and how did it go? The husband, wife, and son on the thank you note, but I didn't on the, when I addressed the envelope. I just put it, oh. to, <laughs> you know, I'm still, so, what? Yeah. The handwritten thank you notes are a lost art. It and they, I have learned they do go a long way. You may think it's not worth it, but it, it's a one little touch that can go a long way. Yep. I still do them. I do. I'm My sure. handwriting is horrible, but I do do them. I do had it. a third grade teacher that would slap you if you wrote sloppy. And it just, it stuck ever since. I, I got pretty decent handwriting. Yeah. Mine's horrible. Yours is bad it's, too. It's pretty bad. And it, erase it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm to the point now where sometimes I even got to write out some of the like when we go to graduation cards or wedding cards. Jess will make me sign this here. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, you're you're the 
the go-to. Well, just because I my my handwriting is just a hair nicer than hers. That is on my list. There's these automatic because I write cursive. There's these automatic uh, handwriting machines. Mm-hmm. That's on the ah the list. <laughs> old school, <laughs> old school, like old school. I just had to start writing in all caps, which <laughs> <laughs> so people know what yeah. you're saying. Well, my problem is my hand. The the uh, muscles that are in my hand are very very like tuned to typing, right? But all the muscles for handwriting have all like atrophied. So I'll do like three thank you notes, and my hand will like lock up. Thanks but a lot. I, Thanks a lot, Cliff Clavin. <laughs> <laughs> here's you another see one. The hand muscles. So here's another one. Just like you guys probably grew up without never having spell check. Oh, I, I learned how to type on a typewriter. Did you ever, you've always had spell check, right? I mean, pretty much. Uh, yeah. At least when, I mean, when I got to be old enough to use a computer to type a Word document, yeah, Microsoft Word was a thing. I wasn't yeah, typing yeah. on like the brown or the black mm-hmm. and green computers. We used those like, for Oregon Trail in third grade. So I was like right on the cusp. I was like the first year or two of kids coming into like middle school that would use computers like that. Yeah. So. I, mean, I can still remember going to a lot of offices that always had a dictionary nearby cause that mm-hmm. was their spell check. Yep. Or the, the big innovation when instead of the regular whiteout or you, yeah, but you had the, the, the tape strip. whiteout. Yeah. I can never get that strip going. On. <laughs> I was, wow. I was with the brush. You, yeah. you brush it on and then you're yeah. way too impatient. So you just start <laughs> plowing through yeah. it and you're just, <laughs> and then it messed up my <laughs> typewriter, <laughs> typewriter ribbon. Yeah, because you you started typing too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> See, a typewriter was a okay. I know what a typewriter is. I've <laughs> used right. it before. If you had, let's close it out with this. If you had one word that you would want a new salesman, a characteristic effort would be effort or attitude. One of the two. You know, that's 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 just your your core. I mean, if you go to just about every good salesman that you've ever been around, there's there's just something about them. You know, it's the same thing with like you see certain athletes and and sales guys I work with. I I I watch a lot of sports, so I always compare them to you know certain a- attributes of the of a team. You just there's just certain people you get around, and they're fun to be around when they have that it factor. And a lot of that is effort or attitude. I would firmly believe in that. I like that. Well, thank you, Dale, for joining us on the podcast. If you made it this far. And you enjoyed it. Hopefully you didn't hate listen. Uh, <laughs> we'd appreciate if you uh, subscribed and left us a review. Please, um, please leave us five stars. And, and uh, you can follow us uh, at Kibble Equipment on all the social medias. Or you can follow me at Kibble Man Sam, like TikTok or Instagram. On the TikTok. Chris is at Horub. Correct. H-O-R-O-B on Twitter. The or Twitters. at Chris Horub on Instagram. Or... If you like sepia tone selfies of a dude in a cowboy hat, you can follow that at the other kibble Sam okay, that on was Instagram. A, that was a low blow. <laughs> Seriously? That's what it's called is the other kibble Sam? Yeah. Yeah, because we call him the other Sam. Yeah, because I'm the other Sam. That's just that's just the way it goes. Why don't you do so. like senior and junior or something like that? No, I don't want to be that closely is, is tied he, to him. So he's DeVito and I'm Schwarzenegger? Yeah, or, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Or high and low. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give somebody the wrong. See, I'm just boring. I just got Snapchat because that's the only way I could talk to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like my, I get text them, but they don't reply to me. But I snap them and they snap me back. It's just, it's just the right way it is. Kids. Yeah, kids, kids don't text or whatever anymore. I oh, that's that so old school. Yeah, and I, I'd just like to just say one thing. I'd like to, if 
I'd just like to say thank you to uh, all the customers that I've had the pleasure of working with through my career and, you know, it just seeing so many, you know, from basically Grand Forks, North Dakota to Northwest Iowa, you know, just seeing all these different organizations and operations, it's been such a pleasure to have such a broad way of farming, but it, at the end of the day, we're total, you know, we're agriculture. That's just, that's what we do. I eat and bleed agriculture. And uh, I just like to say thanks for everyone. If they recognize my voice on this, then thanks for the opportunity to do business with them. Amen. Amen. Well, see, see you later. See ya.